I was so nervous of what would happen when I got knocked down. I was so terrified of what are you going to do when you get knocked down? You know, are you going to be able to get back up? That, that insecurity in me was like, what's going to happen when you actually get knocked down in front of thousands of people? Are you going to get back up? And I'll tell you that seventh fight early in my career, when I got knocked down, I got back up. I stayed calm. I beat the round. I could barely feel my legs. 30 seconds. I, I got out of the round. The next round, I ended up hitting him with a right hand and breaking his rib. I ended up winning the fight. And that fight getting knocked down was a blessing in disguise because the next 13 fights, I knew that I had that in me. I knew no matter what, listen, if you get knocked down, it's happened before, you're going to get back up. I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And so many of you appreciated uh, the story of Angie Lee that I shared on the podcast not too long ago um, that I wanted to be able to get her brother, Mike, on the show. And for those of you who don't know Mike, um, he's a professional boxer and has an amazing, amazing story. And for the last decade, Mike has fought in front of millions in the biggest arenas in the world, from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas to Madison Square Garden in New York City. However, his journey as a boxer has had a lot of ups and downs. And in the prime of his career, he spent almost two years in and out of hospitals battling what he found out was an autoimmune disease that almost ended his career. Uh, fed up with countless hospital visits and years on prescription medication, Mike immersed himself in the wellness world, learning everything he could about nutrition, mindset, and most importantly, CBD. With the help of the latter, Mike defied every doctor's prognosis and went on to win eight more fights, becoming the number three ranked fighter in the world and eventually fighting for a world title last July. Today, Mike is the CEO and co-founder of Soul CBD, a seven-figure CBD wellness brand with his sister, Angie Lee. With his company, Mike continues to deliver on his mission by helping thousands of people find natural relief from pain, anxiety, and more. And I'm so excited to welcome Mike Lee to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Mike, man, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. I'm excited to do this. Yeah. And, you know, I want to kind of, we were talking before, you know, before we started recording on like pain and we were talking about responsibility and, you know, it's funny because I think, you know, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, that life is, can be a constant fight. And, you know, obviously you had your career in boxing and you had that sort of things where it involved fighting, but like, talk a bit about like your view of like what happens when like life hits us and how we have like certain responsibilities and choices as people to kind of respond in a way that is going to put us in a better position versus like blaming other people that could potentially like make our life significantly worse. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, you can't control the cards that you were dealt, right? No matter what situation that is. The only thing you control is how you play them. Right. That, that makes a difference in everybody, man. I, I say this all the time, and, and God knows throughout my career, I've gone through, and we'll dive into it, so much physical and, and mental pain as a professional athlete, and then eventually, you know, getting diagnosed with autoimmune disease. And But I'm sure, you know, pain is, is relative, right? Um, so I'm sure there's a lot. I know there's a lot of people who have gone through worse pain than I have but have made the most out of it. And I think that ultimately some of the most successful people we look up to like Tony Robbins and Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, you know, then the list goes on and on. They became successful, you know, not despite pain, but like, because of it. Right. They, they, they became successful in who they were because of pain. Like, you know, Oprah Winfrey story is one that I, I love. And I talk about all, all the time because you know, for her to go through everything she went through and become the person she was, she often credits her success and same thing with Tony Robbins. And like I said, the list goes on and on to those painful moments, right? So you have a choice. It's like, do I cower in a corner in the fetal position and blame other people? Or do I turn it into an advantage? Do I, do I make this pain into a gift? And for me, I got to the point where I had to have that serious talk with myself where I said, 
I'm either going to give up and go down a dark road with these painkillers and, you know, feeling sorry for myself and depression, or I'm going to turn this shit into a gift. And, you know, I think that's what I did. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we have two choices in, in just like you said, when, when adversity hits, when pain comes, are we going to see it as an opportunity to blame or an opportunity to grow? And, you know, I think that you can't control your circumstance. You can't control what life throws at you. The only thing you can control is like, all right, how, what am I going to do mo- moving forward? What kind of lessons can I learn? What kind of wisdom can I gain? How am I going to switch things up and pivot to become, you know, a better version of myself? And, you know, the one thing I want to talk about with you, because I haven't really heard you talk about it, you know, that much is last year, obviously you had a title fight and you lost in the first round, which I can only imagine how devastating that must've been, right? You have this huge buildup. You get to the pinnacle of what seems like is the best, you know, opportunity in your career. And unfortunately you lose. How did you, like, there's a lot of people in that moment that would have just thrown in the towel, completely given up on themselves as a whole and said, woe is me and turn to drugs, turn to alcohol, you know, or anything else and put themselves down this huge, you know, rabbit hole of misery. Like, how did you like bounce out of that to make the comeback to get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean that that was tough. I I got knocked out in the in the third round, and I got knocked down a bunch of times. It, it just wasn't my night, man. It wasn't my fight. And even that whole training camp, I was in so much pain. I'd gone in and out of this pain, and and I've come so far from where I was years ago. Right. But I, I knew in my heart that things weren't right because I was just dealing with so much pain throughout training camp and kind of losing the love for the sport, to be mm. honest. But you know, it, at the same time, it was always a dream of mine, fight for a world title in front of millions of people, national TV, MGM Grand. I mean, that's like when you're shooting baskets <laughs> when you're eight years old saying, you know, the game winning shot at the buzzer. It's like that for boxing was it for me. It was like, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Your face is all over the hotel come fight week. So, you know, it, it was a really incredible experience. And I was I was devastated because I felt like I let myself down. I let a lot of people down. You know, it was the only loss in my career. But and, you know, obviously the Internet trolls came out in full force, force <laughs> as any athlete. And, you know, I think you always you deal all, with all the people that weren't boxing came out and trolled you. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's wild. I I think athletes get this a lot. I mean, all people get this, but most of the people that were like trolling me, you know, listen, you get 99 amazing messages and then you get one or two and it's all you can think about is that one or two, but people I don't even know, you know, and sometimes like I try not to scroll down on Twitter or whatever it is, but you click on people and it's literally a guy that has like an egg uh, icon. He's like not even showing his face or a guy that's never played a sport in his life. And I just kind of feel like at the end of the day, I knew when I turned pro that my dream was to become a world champion and fight for a world title and whether or not I got my ass knocked out like I did on on TV in front of millions of people, or I win a world title, at least I can go to bed at night knowing that I went for it. Mm. At least I can know that I did what 99.9% of the world couldn't and wasn't willing to do. And that is the one thing I think that separated me. I'm not afraid to fail, man. I'm not afraid to get my ass knocked out and go for it. Because at the end of the day, like, I know I went for it. I gave it my all. I fought one of the best in the world, the best in the world at 168, 168 pounds. And, you know, and I lost and it happens sometimes and it made me a better human. But I knew that it was going to be a tough night just because all training camp, I was dealing with so much pain. Mm. I think anytime you go into something with a little bit of hesitancy, which honestly, looking back, I kind of did now just because of how much physical pain I had. I knew that I, I mean, listen, the fight before that I won a title, got me number three in the world. I broke my rib in the second round, right? I went eight rounds with a broken rib. That was some of the worst pain of my entire life, but I gutted it out. I won. I ended up collapsing in the back room afterwards and they rushed me to the hospital. I was in the hospital till like 4am dealing with this broken rib. So I fought through pain. I have dog in me. I will get through. You have to knock me out to finish me. But at the same time, you can only go through so many of those type of fights where your body and mind is like, man, I've just had enough. And I think that that's what happened to me, man. My, my soul, my spirit was like, you know, I, I've had enough. And so I'm just grateful that I'm, I'm healthy and happy. And it was an incredible experience. 
Yeah. I, gosh, there's so much to unpack from that. And I think, you know, your, your attitude towards that. I don't know if you know, um, you know, Mike Chandler is, you know, Mike, he's an is MMA fighter. No, he's an MMA oh, fighter, no. No. but a buddy of mine trained him for years and he had this, something similar happen. He went for a title fight, you know, got his, his butt handed to him and, you know, he came out and kind of said the same thing. Like, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. I gave it all that I had. And for people that are going to troll on me, like, I mean, let's see you get in the ring. I mean, it was something like that. Like, let's see you, like, let's see you get in the ring. And I think a lot of times people, they think that just because somebody loses that they didn't try, right. Or just because somebody loses, they didn't, you know, train hard enough just because somebody loses doesn't mean that they didn't care. And it's like, who said, like, who does that? Right. Who would want to get in a position where you're in front of millions of people and not try or not care only to embarrass, like, embarrass yourself. Like, why would you do that? Right. And I think, you know, like you said, like it's the people that aren't in the ring fighting in the arena that are the ones like trolling you all the people that I'm sure have played professional sports or that have had experiences like this. We're like, dude, like you gave it your shot. What happened happened and you learn and you grow from it. And like, what where you are now. So like the one thing I wanted to ask is like, you had all this pain, right? You had the autoimmune disease and I just know that it was like an incredible journey of like finding out what was actually wrong with you. I mean, I remember you sharing a story that you spent all kinds of money to get all these diagnoses. And at the end of the day, what they said to you was to go see a psychiatrist. Like they didn't think you were like telling the truth. They thought you were crazy, all this stuff. So like walk me through like when you first discovered this pain, like how it kind of happened and then kind of how CBD, you know, really saved your life. Yeah. I mean, so I was 12 and 0, undefeated, young, on top of the world, about 26 years old. And, you know, I was getting ready for, I think it was my first time I was going to be featured on HBO undercard, maybe second time. And I was really excited. And about a week before the fight, I just started getting a lot of pain. And I was kind of noticing I was getting injured a lot more that training camp. I was getting some headaches. I was wondering, you know, how much of this is because I'm a boxer, I'm getting hit in the head. But my whole body kind of started shutting down. I started getting inflammation all over and we had to cancel that fight because I was literally getting such bad back pain, joint pain, headaches that came out of nowhere. And long story short, I spent two years in and out of hospitals, you know, battling what I later found out was an autoimmune disease. And it was just the start of, you know, a lot of pain and misery in my life. I was on eight different medications. I went from doctor to doctor, mm. you know, spending all this money and time and energy going all over the world, just trying to get out of pain. And I found out that a lot of people that deal with autoimmune issues, you know, deal with this, this misdiagnosis for so long. And so we were constantly turning over rocks, looking to see, you know, what was underneath. Well, I'll try this. I'll try that. And I just knew prescription medication wasn't the answer. And I got to the point where I was just completely addicted to, to painkillers. I mean, tramadol was probably my drug of choice. I was taking that every single day. It's the only way I could get out of bed. And I knew that if I didn't, I couldn't keep fighting. And so it got to a point where I was taking so much that I was having panic attacks and, you know, all the side effects. And I just wasn't happy, man. I was depressed. I was on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. I was on anti-anxiety meds. I became a different human being. And I was hiding it to the world too, which was the scary thing, how good I was at hiding it, you know? And there got to a breaking point where I kind of just was like, you know what, you, you've got it. You've got two decisions here. You're either going to take all these pills and continue to ruin your life and be depressed and have all these scary negative thoughts, or you can change this. Mm. And I started diving into health and wellness, man. It's so similar to, to your story, how you, you turn to health and wellness and, and other people to, you know, help yourself at the same time. And that's really what I did. And CBD is something I discovered as a part of that, you know, it started helping me with anxiety and helping me with inflammation. And, you know, I never say that CBD was the end all be all that all of a sudden I took CBD and I was off eight meds and I was back in the ring, but it was some, an important piece of the puzzle, so to speak. And it started helping me among many other things of diving into my diet, my mindset. I mean, dude, the one thing I don't talk about that I need to talk about more was that I was in fight or flight so much of my life, you know, and never let my parasympathetic nervous system kick in and, and rest and digest. Right. So my body was on overdrive so much with the stress and the, and the panics. And, you know, I was killing myself. And I think that all these autoimmune diseases started popping up 
mostly because of that. And obviously I had concussions I had to deal with and there's that whole element of it. So I had a lot of shit going on, man. So, but needless to say, I, I picked myself up. I, I got off all eight medications. It was a long ass journey. I dove into health, wellness, mindset, meditation, CBD, co-founded this company. I ended up getting back in the ring and I fought eight more times, nine more times. I won eight in a row. I got to number three in the world. So many people said I couldn't get that high. I, I wouldn't. I got to 21 and 0 and then fought for a world title and went for it, man. Gave it mm. everything I've had and lost. Still stings, but I'm grateful because that's all you can do. And here I am. Yeah, man, here we are. And um, just one quick thing I wanted to say is, you know, a buddy of mine, he, has, he said this quote, I don't know if it's his or what. He's like, you don't have to win every fight, but you have to fight every fight, right? So it's just like, it reminded me of that because like, if just you not giving up when you broke your ribs and just how like that, that one fight when you just kept going on and on and on and passing out in the back room, like when everything was over, like you just didn't give up, you didn't quit. And the whole fight or flight thing, I mean, yeah, I mean, I totally can relate to that. And, you know, I think sometimes when our bodies are in such overdrive from stress, from trauma, from stuff we go through, we don't know how to like, we're just so used to being in that cycle and we don't recognize how to like be out of that cycle. And you were in fight or flight in the ring, you're in fight or flight out of the ring because you're on all these medications with side effects. And I'm sure like even the way you grew up, like that didn't help with your parents going through a divorce. And it seems like you and, and your sister had to grow up pretty fast, right? When you go through things like that, which I can tef- definitely relate to. So what I love is, is companies that are inspired out of adversity, that are inspired out of pain. And you started, you know, Soul CBD with Angie. So like talk a bit, I want to know, A, what it's like working with her. How do you guys, how do you guys balance that dynamic of, you know, your sister who's on Instagram, like talking about her poop and baby grandma and making all these jokes, which is hilarious. And you got kind of like you and how do you guys balance that dynamic and what separates, you know, your CBD company from the rest? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. First of all, anybody that works with family knows that it's, it's a delicate balance and, you know, I love it because, you know, I've got my mom who's head of customer service. She does some of our bookkeeping. We've got a bunch of employees now, but it's good to have that like family vibe. Mm. And Angie's, you know, amazing. She brings energy. She brings enthusiasm. She brings great ideas, marketing. I'm much more of like the the calculated side where Angie has a million incredible ideas and I have to <laughs> really in and be like, all right, but logistically, how do we get this done? So it's, it's a kind of a cool mixture between us. And I love her and her community that she's built. I'm so damn proud of her and what she's done. And we just fuel each other. So I think that, you know, first and foremost, one of the things that we've prided ourselves on with our brand is transparency and efficacy. You know, I've been taking our stuff for over two years now. I've never tested positive uh, for THC on any of my drug tests. WADA comes and randomly drug tests me throughout all my training camps. So someone like me is taking our stuff on a daily basis. I have so much to lose by, you know, tested positive for drugs or THC or any contaminants. Right. So that's important for people to kind of know. I also think our flavors are incredible, man. We've got CBD gummies. We've got tinctures. It tastes so good. So often people have that hempy taste and we've worked so hard on these proprietary flavors. So that's important. But yeah, I mean, the transparency, we're always showing our third-party lab verification. I'm in there with Angie, literally in the hemp fields, in the manufacturing facilities. It's not just, there's so many CBD brands out there that athletes, celebrities just put their names on and walk away. Like, now we're running this business. It's like we founded it and I'm the CEO and we're building this out. We have our hands on every single skew, every single test, every single product that comes through. And man, it, it's crazy how right now we're two years in and mm-hmm. we've had thousands and thousands of customers, tons of testimonials. We're helping people. And just like how you're helping people, it's the best damn feeling in the world, dude. Like, you know, whether I'm speaking, connecting with people on, you know, platforms like this, or whether it's through CBD, it's one of the best feelings to hear people saying, you know, I have anxiety and it's gone, or I haven't been able to sleep for two years and now I can finally sleep through the night, or I have such terrible knee pain and now I can run again. And dude, the testimonials keep coming in. So it's cool. You know, I think that CBD is, is an incredible compound. We're just scratching the surface 
And, you know, there's so many other cannabinoids in the plant. And I think that we're starting to realize, hopefully, that while prescription medication has its place, for Mm -hmm. sure, I'm not demonizing it, all natural solutions and what God put on this earth is what's going to heal us from chronic pain. It's what's going to heal us from chronic conditions. So, yeah, I'm really excited to share this with the world. Yeah. So like, talk a bit about like, you know, you mentioned the gummies, you mentioned, I mean, I know you guys have bath bombs, right? And you have different capsules and liquids. Like, is there a difference for what each one does to the body? Like, is there like one that's like stronger? Is there one that you take during the day versus at night? Like, is there anything like that people would like to know about that? Yeah. I mean, so it totally depends on what you're looking for. Like that's where people get a little confused and CBD can help so many things. You know, it can help with anxiety, it can help with sleep, it helps with pain. So I think it confuses people. But it really depends on, you know, how much you're taking and what you're looking mm-hmm. to do. People take it usually in the morning, throughout the day. We have sleep caps you can take at night. Uh, in terms of pain, we have a, a topical cream that's really, really good. And, you know, the skin's the largest organ in the body. So we've seen that topicals are really efficacious in terms of, uh, you know, pain, especially for like an isolated area. It depends what you're looking for. I know for me, I take our 1500 milligram tincture every single morning. It just tends to give me a little more relief in the morning, especially when I have like anxiety of things, you know, popping up and then, you know, I'll take our gummies throughout the day and then also our sleep caps at night. So for me, I mean, dude, I spent 10 years getting punched in the face, so (laughs) I need a a lot of relief. So I'm definitely taking like at least a hundred milligrams a day. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really cool that you like walk the walk and talk to talk and it's not just CBD. You know, I know you talk about the, the ice bath and you got the sauna and the way you eat and the way you train. So I was a huge Rocky fan back in the day. I used to watch the Rocky <laughs> movies and, you know, Rocky four, the whole training montage. And even like the couple Creed movies, it's, it's, they're invigorating, but I know it's not really reality. Right. And I think a lot of people, they're fascinated by that stuff and they see like, I mean, you always hear like, that the boxer is like the most like ripped athlete there. You don't never see like a fat boxer. You never see an out of shape boxer. They're always like the leanest. They're always like the most fit. Like they can take punches. They can throw punches. What does like the training actually look like for a professional boxer? Because I think people have this notion. They see like Rocky carrying like a, you know, a redwood tree above his head. And he's like, you know, running yeah. up like Mount Everest. And they think that's what you have to do to like get in shape or, or just seeing like these, these vast variations in weight where you got to almost starve yourself for like weeks to cut down. And I know that's not always the case. So like walk me through like what a typical like training prep was like for you. Yeah. I mean, we're not like chasing chickens in the back or like <laughs> climbing up hills. Like, yeah. Rocky style. Like, you know, I mean, people always think you got all those old school things going yeah, on. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, training camp is usually for us like about eight, 10 weeks out at least mm-hmm. from a fight six days a week. We're sparring usually three, sometimes four days a week. And sparring for people that don't know is basically like the fight, except you're wearing headgear and bigger gloves. You don't get cut and you're hurt less. It's kind of like a scrimmage, so to speak. So, you know, every single day is boxing. And then usually it's two a days, sometimes three a days. And the second session of the day is a training session. We do everything from swimming to runs to yoga to strength and conditioning we really like to think outside the box especially like towards the later part of my career because i couldn't do a lot of road work because of my back and a lot of my autoimmune issues Mm. so we'd have to do low impact high intensity stuff so a lot of stuff on the assault bike a lot of swimming so good for you Um, assault bike man oh gosh there's nothing harder than that (laughs) i gotta tell you the assault bike's killer and i think that you know if you're into the high intensity the assault bike's the way to go because it's so much less impact. And I'll tell you this, when you go all out in the assault bike for like 20 seconds, it's the only thing that's so similar to when you step off, you know, and your legs feel like jello, right? It's that same feeling you get hit when you get hit and you get rocked and you feel like you're like walking in quicksand. So we used to do simulations where like, you know, you do 20 seconds all out on the bike and then you hop off and you shadow box and you kind of move around just to, mimic like oh shit i i just got hit really hard let me let let my body recover and let me keep Mm. fighting even though i'm rocked right so yeah we used to get creative man and then you know there's a lot of watching film but i think that boxing has really started to get into this new era of getting out of the old school you know not just running 10 miles and just jumping rope like guys are getting smart strategic now with their recovery whether it's you know infrared saunas or cold plunges or all these different modalities and techniques. So, but training camps were tough, man. 
you know, the, the old saying was like, you make the training camp tough. So the fight's easy. Mm. And I put myself through hell during those training camps, man. I made myself puke more times I can count. I put myself to the point of exhaustion where I thought I was going to pass out. I did everything I could to make sure that when I stepped in the ring, I knew that no matter what I gave it my all. Mm. that I didn't have that seed of doubt because early in my career, I would have moments where you step in the ring and you're like, shit, maybe if I would have ran a little bit more, like maybe if I would have sparred a little harder, am I, am I ready? You know, and that is the scariest feeling in the world. You know, you're already stepping in the ring and knowing like I could die tonight. Four fighters died in 2019, well-known guys, you know, top, top prospects. So you're already risking your life. So it's like, you want to go into there knowing that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I gave it everything I had. And that's really what separates the good from the great. I mean, that's what makes Floyd Mayweather who he is and the best of our generation is he was the kind of cat that like literally would train at 2 a.m., you know, when other people were sleeping. And I saw that as a young kid and was like, I want to be that. And I think, you know, watching these greats kind of develop this like work ethic for me and got me to, you know, 21 and 0. Did you ever have an opportunity to, to meet Floyd at all or see him fight? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very briefly meeting him, but got to, you know, be around him a little bit. I had the same lawyer, John Horner, when I first got signed by Top Rank. He had Floyd for a long time. So I got to be around some greats, man. I, I got to spend time with Holyfield, too, mm. having dinner with him, you know, him watching me work out, been around George Foreman and a bunch of legends, man, and guys I looked up to. And I always just ask him a million questions, try to soak it all. And, uh, man, these guys, what made them great was up here, dude. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, I, I saw is the mental side, you know, I, I saw so many fighters who were so talented in the gym. And then when it came to fight night, they couldn't perform. And it's crazy. Like people don't realize that. Like a lot of things, people think that boxing is just two guys slugging it out, but the best in the world, it's a game of inches. It's a chess game. It's, you know, it's a mental game. And how are you going to handle it when the lights and cameras are on you? And, you know, I think that's evident with some of the, the greatest who ever lived. So what did you do to really develop that, you know, top level mindset so that you were able to be one of the guys that performed? I mean, I know I heard you talk about like you would almost create these scenarios in your mind, right, where you would like walk yourself through different things that could happen or things that could come up and being able to kind of like battle that. Like, was that was that the only part or were there other things that went into it? Yeah, I mean, so I. Early in my career, I started working with a sports psychologist, mm. and I think I started working with him because another athlete friend of mine was working with him, and I was really hesitant to do it. You know, I, I considered it kind of taboo, and I was like, right. I'm being a psychologist, therapist, whatever. But he would help me with these scenarios where I learned how to visualize, right? Mm. And they've done so many studies about how when you visualize something with extreme clarity, and literally think about, you know, with every sense, what it looks like, what it smells like, what it tastes like, that your brain doesn't know the difference between perception and reality. And there's multiple studies out there. It's wild showing this and proving this, that your brain is lighting up in the same areas when you see something versus when you visualize it in the right way. And so let me, let me give you an example the other way around. Like we give ourselves heart attacks every single day. You know, we literally can kill ourselves with stress with things that we put in our head and in our mind that manifest itself into our body. So what I think some of the best athletes have done and what people need to start doing now for their health and wellness is switch that, right? Start thinking positive starts, thoughts, start visualizing the things you want to happen. And every single fight of my career, I would think about that specific fight, that opponent. I would walk myself in the ring. I would go through every single scenario and I would hundreds of times in training camp visualize what it looked like what it smelled like, what the blood would taste like. So that when I stepped in the ring, I felt like I was already there and it was incredible. I just felt more calm. I felt alive. I felt like, Oh, I've been here before. I've been in Madison square garden. I've been in Cowboy stadium 300 times before. And it sounds woo woo and a little out there, but it gave me this sense of calm and really served me. I mean, I listen, I know I lost my last one, but I felt good. I, I felt calm. I felt relaxed. I just, you know, Sometimes you get punched in the face. Sometimes you get knocked down. But right. all 21 other fights in my career, I, I did that visualization process every single time. And it really served me well. Yeah, I mean, I think like you said, it's like 
you know, the, the hardest fight you'll ever fight is the, the one between your left ear and your right ear. Right. And it's anything, right. And whether it's your job, whether it's relationships, whether it's just how you, how you go out throughout your day, like there's always going to be things that are coming at you. And I think one of the things that's interesting is like in a fight, if I were to get sucker punched, you know, you would hope that I would fight back. Right. And you would keep exchanging blow for blow. And so you get knocked out. But I think in life, we sometimes let life just sucker punch us left and right, left and right, left and right. And we get knocked down, knocked down, knocked down. And we don't fight back and we don't get back up a lot. So like what types of things are, do you do even like today to make sure that you're equipped and have that, that same mindset, that same mentality that you use to get yourself up to being number three in the world to kind of attack life's battles, to make sure that you know, when something goes awry in business or something personal, or you might get a tweet that someone trolling you that you're able to kind of like either dodge it, let it go and kind of just calm yourself down without it, like impacting the rest of your day, the rest of your week. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, I think I do a couple things. You know, one in particular is I try to surround myself with positivity. I think sometimes maybe it's from concussions I've got or, you know, trauma that I've experienced that sometimes I'll go into those ruts, man. I'll have days yeah. where I'll get headaches and I'll start to get depressed and I'll go down a dark road. And I know I've talked to a lot of other buddies that uh, in NHL, NFL, or just any, anybody, not even athletes dealt with concussions, they deal with these kind of mood swings. And so when that happens to me or something, you know, with the business or life, I usually try to surround myself with positivity right? Like when that happens, I'm not the one who likes to listen to sad songs and just make Mm -hmm. it worse. You know, I love watching comedies. I'm constantly watching, you know, things that make me laugh or podcasts or being around people that make me laugh. Like my sister. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's, it's pretty, it's easier for you, I guess, because you're around Angie a lot that like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) make you laugh in a heartbeat. It helps so much with Angie. You're so right. I mean, because she'll just goof and be laughing about, you know, she'll talk about like, poop and baby grandmas and just all the ridiculous stuff. So I think, you know, surrounding yourself with that positivity is huge. And then, you know, just kind of like you said, knowing that it's, it's going to make you stronger and taking 24 hours. Like I do this sometimes to myself where if I have bad news or something that's really upsetting me, I'll be like, okay, give yourself 24 hours, sit in it, deal with the shit. But then 24 hours from now, stop feeling sorry for yourself and let's attack this. Let's figure it out. You know, cause it's easy to say, Oh, just brush it off right, right away. Sometimes you need some time to think about it. And I always say that whether it's a big decision in my life or you're angry and want to call someone and yell at them, mm. take 24 hours. You'd be shocked what that'll do. If you just sleep it off in the next day, if you still feel the same way and you still want to say the same things and do the same things. And that's one thing, but make sure it's something deep in your core versus like reactionary. And so I usually give myself 24 hours when something like that happens. And then the next day I usually try to tell myself, all right, listen, you got knocked down. Let's, let's do it. Let's get back up and let's keep pushing forward. And it's not easy, man. It's, it's something I I constantly deal with and everybody else does, but I don't know. It's a few little tricks like that. I usually like to play in my head that uh, seem to help. Oh yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that because I think so many times we take this, sometimes it's like a golf ball size problem, right? In the long run, we make it like a bowling ball size, just based on how we react, how we respond and like how we carry ourselves, turn to drugs, turn to alcohol. We might say some things that could have a lasting impact on a relationship or lasting impact on something professionally. 
instead of like sitting in that pain or doing something that's a positive outlet to channel that into something that can like move you in the right direction. I know for me, positivity has been something that's been incredibly important, hanging out with people that bring the best out of me, podcasts, you know, funny comedies. I mean, one of the things I'll do is if I'm having a bad day is I'll put on like a Dave Chappelle or Kevin Hart stand up, like, you know, typically something like that'll make me laugh like pretty quickly. And fitness has also been a big outlet for me. And it's not just like going to the gym and just pumping iron. I mean, it could be just me going for like a nice slow like jog and really like taking some time to like process my feelings, process my emotions, think, you know, because I think we're always looking for that way to kind of numb pain. I think it's just human nature. When something happens, we want to kind of forget about it and push it away. And it's not easy to do that. Number one, number two, I don't think it's really healthy. I think the more we can endure pain and the more we can use it and go through it, we grow. It's kind of why I love fitness, right? You think about to get a bigger bicep, you literally have to tear down your muscle fibers. You have to crush your arms for your muscles to grow to run a faster mile. You got to literally run until the point of failure and collapse and get back up to burn more calories in the assault bike in 20 seconds. You got to like fatigue and collapse at the end of 20 seconds and get off and like, you know, feel like you're going to throw up before you can kind of increase. And I think so many people, they, they don't realize the benefit of doing that. They don't realize that there's actually benefits of going through pain. There's actually benefits of actually sitting with it because good things come from it. And, you know, the next thing I kind of wanted to to ask you is like a lot of service comes from pain. And I know you're huge on service. I see you doing a lot of volunteer work, got a foundation. Did all of that come as a result of maybe like some stuff you went through your childhood? Where did that like service arm part of you come from and like what are you doing with it all today well i think ever since i i went through this type of pain on all the painkillers and even today like i'm so much better than i was but i deal with pain constantly back pain headaches uh joint pain um bouts of you know in and out mood swings and i think that that made me such an empathetic person right I see pain as a gift in that way. I really changed as a human being in my mid twenties when all this shit started happening to me. And I started getting involved in a lot of different children's charities and working with foundations. And and I had my own foundation, the Mike Lee foundation. We raised a ton of money and did a lot of good for various charities. And, you know, I just think that you put it in perspective, man. Like, like honestly, anytime you're feeling sorry for yourself and sad for yourself and you go volunteer a little bit or or go donate money, but like go spend some time. And, you know, I spent four years mentoring kids in Houston when I lived and trained down there. And I felt a lot less sorry for myself. That's for damn sure. I was like, you know what? I'm in a career. I get to do what I love. Yeah. I deal with this pain, but you know, it could have been a lot worse. And so I think that that pain made me empathetic and made me want to connect with human beings in a way that I never would have experienced. And if it wasn't for the pain, I I wouldn't have had that type of personality. I wouldn't have cared as much. And so in a way that the pain was a gift and it's been really cool to, to really learn, you know, about myself through, through the pain that way. Yeah. I mean, I think there's no better way you said it yourself to make yourself feel better about a situation and to help somebody else. That's, I think that's why like in, re- in recovery, like part of the 12 steps is like being of service is like one of the, obviously one of the steps. And it's like so important for people because you think about you're having a bad day, but then when you give your energy and your heart to somebody else who's struggling, you automatically feel better. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a chemical thing. I don't know if it's something in your brain, your heart, whatever it is, but you just do. Right. Like, and it creates like almost like a chain reaction. Like one of the things I like to do is even now, like I'm going through like the line at Starbucks in the drive through because you can't really go in or, or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, just put this toward the person behind me mm. and like the money and like buy the person's coffee. And, and like, you'll never know like what happens. Like I was sitting in the parking lot, just drinking my coffee, getting some work done the other day. And this woman came up whose coffee I bought. And she's like, wow. Like I was really struggling. I had a terrible weekend. Like and you just made my day. I spent like $3 on whatever she was getting at Starbucks. So you just never know what an act of kindness or an act of service will do to somebody when, you know, you know, cause you never know what someone's going through. And I think especially now in life that people are, we're so quick to blame each other for what we're going through that we really don't want to look inside the, in the mirror and, and be like, you know, like, you know, my relationships are falling apart. My job's falling apart. I'm falling apart. Like maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, would you agree? Yeah. I totally agree. 
And I think what you're saying, like what's so huge about that, that little, you know, two, $3 at Starbucks, it's a domino effect. Yeah. Like too often. And I even get myself in this loop every once in a while, but I really try not to, I don't watch, I try not to watch the news anymore. You yeah, know? me too. Because <laughs> dude, it, it doesn't matter. Fox, CNN, it doesn't matter what side you're on. I, I don't care. It's also like charged and like, it makes you feel angry or sad or it's just crazy. Right. So you watch that stuff for 30 minutes and all of a sudden you think like humanity is terrible. We're mm. fighting each other. We're burning stuff down. It's not fair. But you realize like there are so many good people out there, man, doing little things like you did that don't make the news. So it's like, I think people need to turn off their phones on the news and do little things like you did. Go volunteer a little bit. Go, go around these communities and see how much good there is because that's what's going to help everything is, is we continue to promote this good instead of fighting each other and pointing at each other and yelling at each other. And not to say that, you know, things, a lot of things don't need to change and I'm not trying to get political here, but what you just did was a huge domino effect. And I don't know that that's what I think all of us have a responsibility to do like each individual person. Yeah, I mean, because you're, you're right, there is so much negativity out right, right now. Social media, Facebook, I mean, you know, the news that like people need to be beacons of light in an authentic and genuine way to, to the most they can be. And I think it does have a domino effect. If you think about like, you know, one candle won't light a room, but one candle will light two candles and three candles and four candles and so on. And then you all of a sudden you get this room that's lit up. And I think especially like at myself and you and like us, we're all in like, you know, thought leaders in the health and wellness community. Like it's, if we're not going to be the ones to kind of step up and like do these small things, like who is, and I think we just all have to kind of come together and, and stop, you know, hating on each other and stop trolling each other and just know that we're, we're all in this fight together and it's on us to stick with it in the end and, and just not let like our head get in the weeds too much with, with all these distractions that are coming at us. So like, how would you say that like being in the profession you were in for quite a while, obviously being a professional boxer, how did that help prepare you for like everyday life? And like, even what we're going through right now? Yeah. Well, I think if anything, I think you alluded to it earlier. Like I was just always taught you get knocked down seven times, you get back up eight. Right. And I think that how it prepared me is I realized how tough I was and, and how, you know, strong, the human will is whether it was that fight where I broke my rib and kept going. It's those moments where you realize how actually tough and strong you are. And that's not just me. I'm not patting myself on the back. I think that all human beings have that in their arsenal. They have those tools they need to get back up. You know, I'll, I'll never forget. So my, the first time I ever got knocked down in my professional career, I was, uh, I fought at Notre Dame and it was a huge event. Uh, it was kind of like a homecoming. It was my seventh pro fight. It was the first ever professional boxing event at my alma mater, Notre, da- Notre Dame's history. We had a ring right in the middle of the basketball arena. Regis Philbin, who RIP just passed right, away. Right. He emceed the event. <laughs> um, man, you had like Coach Bray sitting there. You had Condoleezza Rice. You had like all these crazy Notre Dame alumni that were sitting there. And so- Needless to say, the pressure was on me to win. I was the main event. I think the show was on Fox Sports, national TV. That fight in the third round, maybe, I got hit with a left hook and knocked down, right? And I just beat the count, and I got up at nine seconds. And it was funny is before that fight, I I never said anything to anybody. I never vocalized this, but I was so nervous of what would happen when I got knocked down. I was so terrified of what are you going to do when you get knocked down? You know, are you going to be able to get back up? That, that insecurity in me was like, what's going to happen when you actually get knocked down in front of thousands of people? Are you going to get back up? And I'll tell you that seventh fight early in my career, when I got knocked down, I got back up. I stayed calm. I beat the round. I could barely feel my legs. 30 seconds. I, I got out of the round. The next round, I ended up hitting him with a right hand and breaking his rib. I ended up winning the fight. And that fight getting knocked down was a blessing in disguise because the next 13 fights, I knew that I had that in me. I knew no matter what, listen, if you get knocked down, it's happened before you're going to get back up. Yeah. Cause every, every setback leads to a bigger comeback if we allow it to happen. Right. Amen. 
And I think so many times we think of the, the setback and we're like, well, I'm never going to get back up. I'm never going to, well, you've gotten up every other time. Like every other time you got knocked down, you've gotten back up. You've had to have where you'd be dead. Right. So I think yeah. there's so many times that, that people like they get caught in the woe is me. And I love that 24 hour rule. You like, I give myself 24 hours to sit in the pain and then I'm not going to let myself get, it's like the count, like you get the countdown. It's like, you know, you get, it's like nine and it's like, oh, up 24 hours, I better get up. And then you just, and you just roll. It's like next round, let's go. Like every day is a new round. And I think if, if any, everybody took that approach, I think people would be a lot happier because they'd be so used to like going through pain that they would understand that pain is actually used to help us grow and become better versions of ourselves. And there's wisdom, there's blessings that people don't even like are so impatient to see because they're so quick to want to push it away or use substances to numb it. They don't even like get to have any clarity or realization of what that pain actually did to them in a positive manner. So like, kind of like what's next for like, for you and, and the, and the CBD brand, like, are you speaking more? Is the CBD going to be getting into like stores? Like what is, what's next? Yeah. So, I mean, well, one thing I want to touch on what you just said was so spot on. It just popped in my head was that, you know, people need to realize they have more control than they think. Right. So often you feel like I don't have control of the situation and it's just all this, all these things coming at me. And like that 24 hour rule, you literally could set an alarm on your phone and play the game, man. So like, I'm going to sit in the suck. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be sad for 24 hours, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to be excited about this. And when the alarm goes off, like it's all a game, man, this, this stuff. And I even heard Kevin Hart talking about this on a Joe Rogan podcast. He was like, you know, I just realized that this life is a game, man. And I just decided to, to play different rules. You know, I decided to play it differently. I thought that was so cool when I heard that. Um, so what you just said kind of made me think about that and made me kind of, I wanted to echo the fact that like you have more control than you think, like you have all the control if you decide it. And this is just, it's just a game. So play the game how you want to play it, like have fun with it. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, well, yeah, real, I want to touch on that too. It's like, we all have choices, right? We, we have a choice in whether we're going to brush our teeth or not. We have a choice in whether we're going to make our bed. We have a choice in whether we're going to go for that walk. We have a choice in what we're going to eat. We have a choice in who we're going to surround ourselves with. You got to almost like choose your suck. It sucks changing your friends. It sucks, you know, getting started in a new workout routine. It sucks sitting in pain, but it also sucks developing some sort of, you know, unwanted addiction. It also sucks, you know, continuing to gain the weight you didn't want. It also sucks being miserable 10 years later because you didn't make those choices you know you should have made. So you have to kind of choose, like, do you want to go down the, the road that's like less traveled where it does, it sucks, but you learn lessons, you learn a lot about yourself, you gain strength, you get in shape, all those things, or do you want to be that other road where you're going to be miserable and it's going to suck even longer? So, I mean, I could talk about this forever. It's like, how are you going to play your hand? Are you going to play your hand where you're going to pretty much just do whatever you can to win that hand? Or are you going to just fold right away because you think it's too hard and you have no shot, right? You're going to get a pair of, of twos at the poker table and just fold right away because you know that like you have, you, you think you have no shot, you have no you know faith, or are you going to hold the hand, be patient with it? Maybe you play a different route, you change your strategy up and you end up winning in the end. So, you know, with that being said, like, with COVID and everything happening now and not so sure if like production shipping's all like obviously yeah. kind of jacked up with, with the travel and everything being limited. Like what's, what's up for with, uh, soul CBD? Where's it going? Where's yeah. the Mike Lee brand going and doing speaking and stuff? Or, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I was doing a lot of speaking at corporate events and, um, you know, spoke for uh, JP Morgan event, in San Francisco towards the end of late last year. And obviously COVID kind of, halted all that. So I, I do need to get better at, you know, kind of using my platform to, to help people in that sense. I've just been really, I've been CEO of this company and it's, you know, it's a startup, man. So it's constant grind. And you want to talk about getting knocked down, getting back up. It's just constantly putting out fires and, you know, having great moments, then tough moments. And especially with COVID, like handling a million things with manufacturing and, you know, all the new rules stipulations we thought for a while, our fulfillment center was going to get shut down and we'd be out of business. So it's constantly like dodging these punches, man. I know the entire world is doing it, but just staying positive towards it, man, laughing and trying to stay positive and get creative. The people that will win during this are the ones that get creative, man. The ones that stare at, you know, this crazy shit happening and, and they, they get creative and inspired. And so 
that's really, I'm grateful. Our, our culture of our company has done that. We've grown month over month as a result, just continue to grow because our team has been so strong. And so for us, it's just continuing to dial in on, on these SKUs, on these different products that we have. You know, our, our dream caps right now, our, our nighttime sleep caps, we reformulated. They're phenomenal. Uh, we're going to come out with an immunity cap that'll have a bunch of vitamin C, vitamin D, proprietary blend with elderberry and a bunch of stuff because what pe- not a people are talking about right now is keeping their immune system really strong, right? If this thing is, this COVID is, is damn near unavoidable with, you know, as, as it seems to be, then let's make sure our immune systems are as strong as possible. So just trying to educate our customers on and offer them different products to help them do that. So yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff down in the pipeline and it's, it's been a pleasure helping and serving people and, and growing this business. So we're two years in and it's, it's been exciting, but definitely a roller coaster. Yeah. You brought up a really good point, which I want to touch on is being relentless about boosting your immunity, which I think if any media is listening right now, I think there's been a huge disservice on like huge. how, how can people strengthen their immune system? If, if, if what is needed is for our immune system to remain strong for our immune system, for us to remain like completely healthy, to not get COVID, to not give others COVID, to not die from COVID. Where's the education and what to do, right? And, and there hasn't been much. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, sure, so hopefully somebody's talked about it, but I've been on my high horse since the beginning of this thing. Like, if the goal is to keep our immune system strong, like, how can we decrease stress, you know, chronic stress? How can we improve our gut health? How can we, you know, Im- improve our, you know, basic immunity? How can we be- decrease, you know, the amount of times that we're coughing and how can we help with improving our mental health? Cause we know mental health and our physical health goes hand in hand. Like, how can we do that? Because there's so many people out there that are like, they just assume if they wear a mask and they don't get the disease that they're automatically going to remain safe and sound. Like, like, no, it's not that simple. I saw a, a buddy of mine posted a picture of a group of people wearing masks and they were in line at McDonald's. I was like, how does that make any sense? I'm not even talking about mask or no mask. I'm not, I don't want to get into that. But what I'm saying is like, be consistent. Like if your goal is to wear a mask and your goal is to protect yourself from getting COVID or anything else, I think we need to do our own due diligence to make sure we're doing the everything else too, because the mask is only one, one, you know, very small part of immunity. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, like, I'm not a doctor, but I have a lot of friends who are, and God knows I've seen a ton and so many nutritionists throughout my career, but it's like, you know, hydrochloroquine, the mask, no mask. Like, did we find a new drug? All this stuff talking about if you get it and yes, that's important, but why are we not talking about on a daily basis? The fact that the, let's get back to the basics. If you eat healthy, it'll boost your immune system. That's proven. You get sufficient Efficient levels of vitamin C, it'll help your immune system. You get enough sleep, it has been proven to help your immune system. You get enough vitamin D. There's studies out there showing levels, you know, sufficient levels of vitamin D is really helping people kick COVID if they get it. So it's like basic stuff that we're just not even talking about. We're only talking about abortive measures once you get it. And it's like, what about this preventative world? It's it's the whole world that I really learned about uh, preventative you know, for chronic pain. And it's like the daily choices you make are really important. So stop eating McDonald's, stop eating soda, you know, get your vitamins, get outside, get sunlight. I know that, you know, the world is trying to keep you indoors, but get sunlight. The human body is meant to get sunlight and exercise. And, you know, I'm not saying that that'll cure you no matter what, but it'll give you a better fighting chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're in a society that it's like sick care versus healthcare, right? We're like putting band-aids on problems and not looking at the underlying cause. We're not prescribing meditation, a lot of physical fitness, you know, specific things on what to eat or, you know, supplements that can aid or maybe like being the, the importance of being around, you know, positive people or limiting, you know, social media and all these other things. We're just like, all right, if you get it, here's what you do. Here's what you get. But, here, but we're not talking about like, here's what, not how not to get, COVID, not even just COVID. Here's how not to get the flu. Here's how to not get cancer or heart disease or diabetes. And, and I think that's the more, more long standing approach is how can we like create a long-term plan for people that they're healthier, they're happier, they're more fulfilled in life. And I think that's like, I think that's what needs to happen. Not just in 2020, but just like in our future. 
and I commend what you and your, your family, frankly, are doing now because you're kind of living proof of what it's done. You didn't just like create CBD, but oh, like there's a huge opportunity financially. You were like, all right, like both you and your sister have talked about openly, like different problems you've had with, you know, whether pain, anxiety, sleep, everything else. This is what's helped us. And now we're going to share some of the fruit that we've learned and been able to see, you know, success with our own health. And we're going to kind of like, you know, pass it on to you guys. So, you know, the one last thing I wanted to ask you is you've been through a lot of shit in your life, you know, between the divorce and obviously, you know, you got into the gym when you were fairly young and you fought for your spot at Notre Dame and became a professional boxer and went undefeated. And then obviously had that setback last year. Like, what would you tell like the 15 year old Mike Lee? Like, what would you, if you're looking back now, you know, you're 33 and you've been through a lot between 15 and 33. And I'm sure there's been a lot of valuable lessons learned just through building a business with your sister and fighting and becoming, you know, a thought leader and, and everything else. What would you like, what kind of things would you say? Man, it's a great question. The first thing that popped in my head was have fun. Yeah. Have more fun because, you know, I think that I took things so seriously. And I think I realized like it's never as bad as it seems. It's sometimes it's never as good as it seems. Like God knows I've had a lot of ups and downs, but I think that at the end of the day, I, I tell myself just have fun. And that doesn't mean don't work. Don't, you know, train your ass off. Don't fight for things. Don't take, take things seriously. But I tell myself to, to have more fun because anytime in the boxing ring, when I was flowing, I was having fun and I was laughing and enjoying myself, I just perform better. And I really do believe that stress, you know, constantly being in fight or flight was a huge reason why my body started to shut down and a huge reason why now for the first time in so many years, I'm finally feeling healthy is that I'm learning to have fun and laugh a little bit more and, and enjoy myself and be, you know, less stressed. So. Yeah, man. I, I tell my 15 year old to stop worrying so much and just have fun, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's such solid advice. And I wanted to kind of ask like, how is like your, your anxiety now? Because I know like you, you talked about like having more fun. I think that's so important too. you. We don't have enough fun, right? I think the opposite of depression is fun. I think, I and mean, I think we're meant to have fun as human beings. Yeah. I think we're meant to smile. So like through everything now, like how's your, how's your anxiety been? It's been so much better, man. And listen, I, I, like I mentioned before, sometimes I have my days where yeah, of course. I get a migraine or a mood swing and who knows what caused that or whatever, but it's only been a year since my last fight. And, you know, so I'm finally starting to get healthy and happy and enjoying my new career and um, not taxing my body. So my anxiety is so much better, man. It, it's I'm, I'm blessed. I'm so grateful. I mean, every time I jumped in the ring, there was a chance that I was going to get seriously injured or die. Mm. And now that's not true. Now I get to, you know, nothing against sport. I love the sport to death. And I, I love, you know, so many athletes and fighters that are doing it. But I get to, you know, sit back and, and think, what do I want the next 70 years of my life to look like? And I've got all these tools now, whether it is CBD or breathing techniques or meditation or cold plant, like I've got these tools now to calm this anxiety. And when those dark clouds come every once in a while, so. I'm grateful, man. All, all said and done, 22 fights in, I, I feel grateful and happy that at the end of the day, I just fucking went for it. No matter what anybody said, I, I gave it all. I won some, I lost some, but I'm proud of how I did it. And I got to help people along the way. And, you know, if I die tomorrow, I'll, I'll be, I'll say it was, it was a, a good life, you know, one that I, I really um, went for it. So I put all the chips in and what happened happened. So no, I'm grateful. That's awesome, man. And it's so, it's such good advice and such good wisdom that you share. And I wanted, one thing I wanted to pop in my mind, I wanted to ask you is what do you think of Mike Tyson coming back? Dude, I love it. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the part of me, a, a small part of me is like, man, just retire, dude. Like yeah, stop training. Like I'm hurt for you. But God, Tyson was just, he was something else, man. The, the punching power he had. And I, I actually got to become very good friends with Teddy Atlas commentated on a couple of my fights. Um, he became friends with my father. We're involved in his charities. Awesome guy. So I got to hear a lot of stories about Tyson and, 
But yeah, that guy, Mike Tyson is something else. And I've seen him in training. It's awesome that he's fighting Roy Jones Jr. too, like two legends and icons. So, dude, I'm going to be tuning in. I bet they do over a million pay-per-view buys. I mean, it's... It's going to be a fun, fun fight to watch. And man, I, I got nothing but respect for him because, dude, at 54 years old doing that, whew, let me tell you something. It's brutal getting through those training camps. So mad respect for him. Yeah, I think, I think we, uh, I, you know, the, the last memory I have of Mike Tyson is like in the hangover movies, you know? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. What a guy that turned his life around, man. I know. Like, the stuff he went through, his daughter dying, and God knows, you know, everything thrown at him. He's an inspiration too. You know, I know it. He made a lot of terrible decisions in his life, but he seems happy and healthy now. And you got to love that man choices. Just like you said, man, he decided to make different choices. Yeah. And it's hard to, you can't really judge somebody based on their past. You only judge them. I mean, really don't judge anybody, but you know, like how they respond, how they change. And he's definitely come a long way. So Mike, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to be, I didn't tell you this, but for people that are listening if you share this episode and screenshot the episode tag mike tag my soul cbd and tag myself with your top takeaway i'm going to be giving away some cbd to the person who presents the best takeaway so where can people find out more about you about the cbd company i know at my soul cbd and at official mike lee right on instagram am i right yeah, that's it. So the company's Soul CBD, but the Instagram tag is at my soul CBD. Right. Then uh, you can find me at official Mike Lee. And I love it, man. DM me with, with any questions you guys have about CBD or health and wellness. I just love connecting with people. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. Awesome, man. It's been a pleasure. I, 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 did, I enjoyed it thoroughly and um, I will be sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes. And once again, like, you know, Mike's story of just so much overcoming ton of adversity between you know his pain his obviously battling mental health issues and boxing and everything that he's done now with building this amazing company i mean there's a lot to be said for that there's a lot to be said for just again like getting knocked down seven times getting back up eight and continuing to fight even though sometimes you don't feel like it it's just that's how life is and sometimes life's gonna knock you down it sucks but are you gonna spend would you rather spend 24 hours sitting in the pain or 24 years so you have a choice in that Reach out to Mike. Let him know you enjoyed it. Reach out to me. And, you know, if you thought that this episode was awesome, which I'm sure you will, please uh, leave us a review. Leave us five stars. We definitely appreciate it. And once again, you're listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. And we will.